Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, all. Danielle Sullivan here. Just popping in real quick to let you know that Neurodivergent Coaching's first workshop of the year is happening very soon on Friday, January 19th at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. It's called Tension Tactics. It's all about coping skills. You'll learn about all four major types of coping skills that humans use uh, throughout the world. You'll be supported to identify your personal coping skills style, the ways you handle stress, and also to assess whether they're working for you or not. And then we'll also be going through ways that you can adjust your coping styles to help you handle stress better, help you have a better life, and help you have longer-term well-being. Um, if this sounds good to you, please go down below, click on the link. The link will give you $5 off. We also have sliding scale available for uh, folks from traditionally marginalized populations. If you are BIPOC, if you're neurodivergent, if you're queer, just email us and let us know and uh, we can get you in. Thanks so much. Hope to see you there. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Neurodiverging Podcast. My name is Danielle Sullivan, and I am your host. I'm very glad you're here today. Welcome back. If you have a moment, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're currently on or hit the like if you're on YouTube. We really appreciate it. It helps folks find us and uh, learn more about neurodivergent issues. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Charlie Ocean to the podcast. Now, this is a part one of a two-parter, so we'll have Charlie uh, visiting us this week and next week for some really great discussions. Today's discussion is on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Charlie has been a LGBTQ T plus speaker, trainer, and consultant for a ton of nonprofits, businesses, employee resources groups, helping professionals. They are, have a master's in social work um, and they have been training for many, many, many years, other people on um, how to be allies to the larger queer community. Um, it is their life's work. And because of their social work background, they also really love connecting with people and working um for better advocacy and allyship. So today on today's conversation, we're talking a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts, especially around um, queer identities, LGBTQ+, AI, everybody, um, however you want to frame that. Different places in the world use different terms. So insert term of your uh, experience here. Before we dive into our interview with Charlie, I would like to thank my patrons and welcome to everyone who's joined us recently. It's been wonderful to see you all over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. You can throw a couple bucks a month into the pot and that supports our ability to create the podcast, to pay for transcription, and it supports our sliding scale clients. So we really appreciate your support. If you join the Patreon, you can get perks like ad-free podcast episodes, uh, access to our weekly Get Stuff Done group, which is an accountability body doubling support group to 
achieve things and uh, a lot more perks. So please check us out at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. And here's our interview with Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to Neurodiverging Podcast. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel like that's a really tough question to answer nowadays, only because I like to try to be as honest as possible. But, you know, a lot of folks in the United States just ask to be polite. So it puts me through a spiral. But I will say today, I think I'm I think I'm doing okay. But uh, there's a lot of heaviness with everything going on in the world right now. But how about yourself? There's a lot going on in the world today. And, you know, it's I'm glad you called me on it because I think that uh, despite doing a lot of training on neurodiversity friendliness and saying, do less small talk, I still fall back on the small talk when I'm starting off an episode just because it's like those get to know you questions, right? That how do you get to know folks? How do you um, get to know what, what people are interested in and what's on like carrying them today or on their shoulders today? So yeah, I'm also yeah. okay. I am a little tired, to be frank. And also it is doing this cloudy, rainy fall thing outside my window, which is messing with my energy a little bit. But it's oh. fine. We will move forward. It's okay. I have some I love coffee. It. And... You can send it my way. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not really possible, but if it were, that would if, you, be if you could Dropbox it to me, I'd happily take your weather. <sighs> yeah. I, uh, Colorado, uh, I'm near Boulder and we have the... Uh, I, I I don't know the word, the luck, the, <laughs> um, the privilege get, of the yeah. privilege. Privilege <laughs> is really what it is to get 300 days of sunshine a year. And yeah. I have gotten very used to it. And when I lived in Philadelphia, it was cloudy and rainy all the time and it was fine, but now I'm completely spoiled. So we'll see. It's really easy for you to send it to me. Cause I'm just down in Denver. Oh so. yeah. That's right. I forgot you were so close. Yeah. That's so funny. Okay. And it's nice in Denver? It's really like that's half no, an hour away. It's supposed to rain here today oh, too. Okay. So it's it's We just have it now and it's gonna come down. Yeah, to but you. I but I'm happy to like just keep it coming. <laughs> so I'm like happy. And maybe I listen to like gar or um garbage too much in mm -hmm. my youth, like only happy when it rains, rains and stuff. But like it's a good song. Love that band. And yeah, I don't know. I just I like it. I probably because I feel like it better matches my mood most of the time. And also it's just like really calming sensory wise, yeah. because I've noticed the more I'm understanding about my neurodivergence, like when I go outside and it's mm -hmm. super bright, I hate it. And I'm actually going to have to get proper um, sunglasses again, which is going to suck because I have to get prescription based ones. Those but are frustrating. I think I need to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm starting to get these like ocular migraines mm -hmm. from the light and it's it's no, it's not good. So yeah, bring the rain, bring the cloudiness. I don't want it always, but I, I do enjoy it. And it's a nice sensory experience for me. I get migraines from the pressure shifts when it that moves too. from the sun to the rain. So I think I have always. this inverse experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where the light doesn't bother me. I like, I'll wear regular sunglasses, but uh, I wear contacts. So, um, yeah. but uh, whenever just there's a big how much shift, it drops. Yeah, yeah, I get, it knocks me down for a couple of days. So I, what I would love to just start with is I, I know you do, uh, I was going to say DEI training, and then I realized that lots of folks probably don't know what that is. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion, sometimes with a B at the end, belonging, um, especially around gender, sexuality, et cetera. I wondered if you could just, if we could just talk about that a little bit and let us know a little bit about what you do, why you do it, how you got into it, any of that that you'd like to talk to us about. Sure. Thank you. What's interesting and funny to me is that 
just the initialisms or acronyms for DEI work is hysterical. It's like the same problem we have with like the alphabet soup community. Absolutely. Just like there's so many because there's Jedi. And I know a lot of people like that because the J is for justice. But yeah, I I just think having those similarities is, is really funny when you're in this intersection. But that aside, yeah, I started out as a speaker. I was a very shy and awkward kid. I'd say I'm still very shy and awkward, but somehow like I can do training and and speaking. And so I was very passionate as a, a young person growing up about different things like the environment and people getting along and stuff like that. But it wasn't until ninth grade I started to actually learn about the LGBTQ plus community and go, oh, these are my people. Because previous to that, all I had was like tomboy. And I yeah. clung to that identity because it was the language my bullies gave me, but it also just felt like people got me better. And basically, by the time I was nearing like getting out of high school, I started realizing that, and I, I was fortunate in some ways to grow up in Los Angeles, but I realized, you know, there was like this 11th grade English class I was in. I remember that one of the students, and I'll never know who, Somehow we got on the topic of gay authors, which was pretty progressive and especially for like the early 2000s, even right. though it was L.A., but we got on the topic of gay authors. And I just remember hearing a student say, like, being gay is a choice. And again, I was shy, awkward, baby Charlie. And I like found my voice that day. I just remember going, no, it's not. And then I started talking about everything I experienced so far with starting to piece together who I was. Now, I, mm -hmm. I didn't quite have all of the language yet because yeah. I was mostly focusing on like the sexuality parts of it and not so much like who am I to those folks mm -hmm. and gender and all that. So I still was clinging to the tomboy. But yeah, I was like really starting to get immersed and like very quickly. I'm talking like literally as soon as I started learning about the LGBTQ plus community, I became like a keynote speaker for this um conference called models of pride that's for lgbtq plus youth i ended up joining their board and helping to organize it every year like i'm I'm talking i just like went deep <laughs> like in. i yeah i found like my my special interest finally so yeah i nerded out over it so by that point like i'd learned enough that i of course didn't know everything and i would still never claim that i do even now but I knew enough to say like, no, it's not. And I, I know that that day I gave like a very passionate speech about like what I'd experienced so far as a young person and even up mm -hmm. to just that point for only knowing who I was with that particular language for a few years. But I I know that my main point of that speech was like being gay or whatever term you want to use there isn't a choice. It's just it's um whether you can be authentic or not. And sometimes we don't have that choice. And that that's something I can say more easily now because, again, I didn't have all the language then. But, yeah, I just had a very passionate passionate plea. It was interesting because the teacher just sort of sat back and, like, let things happen because, mm -hmm. like, it seemed like she knew I had it or something, even yeah. though I didn't know that I had it. And, like, to this day, Mrs. Roth lives up in Oregon. Like, um, she says it's, like, one of her favorite moments in her career, you know, like watching me grow in that way. And so we've been very close and we keep in touch and everything. And I was so grateful she let me have that moment because I, I do think it was really important. So I think from then on, I just sort of realized in any class that if we did happen to talk about the LGBTQ plus community, usually uh, we didn't go very far. And if it did come up in some sort of like more organic way, the teachers or later the professors just like never really knew how to talk about it. Mm. So 
I started community organizing by my high school year. I became the president of the um, what was the Gay Stray Alliance at the time. Now they're usually called a gender sexuality alliance mm-hmm. or a queer club or something. But yeah, so then I started doing even more leadership. And by the time I got to college, I became a regular speaker for almost every class I was in. Like I've been on my own midterms and finals. Like it's been wild. And so I, yeah, became a regular, regular speaker for a lot of these different courses, like human sexuality, psychology, you name it, all sorts of different kinds of classes. And yeah, I just, I was really finding my groove and it was interesting because at that point I was just heavily leaving, leaning on speaking and storytelling, which Mm -hmm. was cool. But at some point after like, I don't know, 10 years of doing it, I started realizing like, I want to make this a little bit more formal and actually Mm -hmm. give people more specific concrete tools and like guidelines and things. And so I started transitioning away from sharing my story and like, I'll still weave it in sometimes, but I just, I feel like people need like those tangible, like, here's what to do, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I... At first, it was really hard to start being, I guess, what you would call gay for pay. <laughs> but, you know, because there were just so many speaking engagements, right? And they'd be like, oh, but you'll get all this exposure. And I'm like, that's cool. But I also have to pay bills. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I took on a lot of free gigs, especially just to get the experience. But, you know, and sometimes professors especially, they'd be so kind and try to give me like a 5 to $10 Starbucks gift card or something. Mm-hmm. But again, that like wasn't enough. But I appreciated they were trying to do that because I know yeah. they were working with a limited budget. The schools didn't want to pay for it, et cetera. So yeah. So then it became hard to like have to turn those down and then like only pursue people who wanted to pay me, even if it wasn't a lot to start. Yeah. But yeah, I started having like nonprofits hire me, social workers, uh, all sorts of kinds of people to just talk about like how they can be more like culturally competent in this area, which no one can like quite master that per se, but at least like to embrace the cultural humility of it and keep that thread going and continue to learn. So yeah, I became like a regular uh, trainer for different places mm-hmm. and, you know, I still do it now. It's just like, I would just say that it's gotten a lot harder because I think in 2020, with the murder of George Floyd and having that be so public and having people start to be awake to more issues that maybe don't impact them, but like people they work with or people they know, et cetera. You know, a lot of these companies, I think, felt pressure to start pursuing DEI or that kind of work. And I think a lot of them were just like scrambling to figure it out. And they made these big, bold claims and statements that they were going to, you know, commit to doing this work. They were coming up with like their, like, statements and everything that they're posting on their website or whatever. But I think some of us that have been doing this work kind of saw through that and knew that a lot of it was performative and like the pressure because like the world was watching and like also employees were asking for it and starting to question. But now, I mean, the economy has changed in such a way that there's just been so many layoffs Mm -hmm. and that same energy isn't happening. And it's a shame because like when you are having to downsize and you are having to make the most of most of your budget. I mean, one of the most important things to me that should be core in any sort of organizational structure is professional development. Yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Because if we can't work together, if we can't work through our differences or see how that's good, that's a good thing to have so we're not just like a bunch of yes people and doing status quo. Like we need to be disruptors in good ways. You know, then, yeah, I so I think these companies that now are starting to, like, take their foot off the pedal of this work, I think they're going to see very quickly that their bottom line is going to go down, that mm-hmm. they're going to have a lot of people leaving also by choice, just because they're not keeping up that same energy. And also it's just going to hurt them across the board in terms of profits, in terms of turnover. I mean, gosh, I mean, it, I imagine this number is higher, but I know around, like, a little over 30% of turnover um, is experienced by LGBTQ plus employees because those companies aren't like speaking out. They aren't doing something. They're letting yeah. their coworkers misgender them or, or things like that. They don't have programs in place. And I imagine that's higher, but also because they don't feel comfortable going to HR and saying like, I'm being discriminated against or, or whatever's happening too, because like the burden and proof and all that. So, but, but that's why you need these things is so that you're not in those situations in the first place. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to find they're trying to cut costs now, but it's just going to be more costly in the future because even something like, again, around 30% of LGBTQ plus folks having turnover, I mean, that's expensive because not only is it like costly to find new talent and to replace those folks, but also there's like lost knowledge. Yeah. So I hate to make it about the bottom line. It feels really gross, but it also is hurting the bottom line. That's how you speak to a company though, right? Like you and I can be like, person-centered and and wanting to develop our, our, our individual folks um, towards their best self-authenticity and, and um, well-being. But a company is always going to look at, well, how is this going to make us the money? But I, I, uh, I've had a similar experience from the neurodiversity side um, of doing some neurodiversity-centered DEI. And there is, of course, a huge crossover between neurodivergent folks and queer folks, um, LGBTQ IA folks and um, the types of the the movement you're talking about about people leaving people not feeling confident speaking to HR um, HR maybe not even having the training they need to um, create programs and, and respond appropriately to issues um, it affects I guess that it's a, a um, it, it's affecting more than one population right that there are also there are plenty of non queer neurodivergent folks. Um, there's so many that have both of these identities um, that are also being affected. And so um, not doing this kind of training and support in for DEI in one population can have vast effects on everybody in the whole group. That wasn't the most oh, yeah. beautiful way I could have said that, but hopefully you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was literally talking to an ERG, so an employee mm-hmm. resource group leader last night on a call and... I mean, they were telling me that they just don't feel very secure and confident because what companies are trying to do is like have it in-house, Yeah. right? Like, oh, 
if you're willing to step up in this role and we don't have to pay you, right? Which there should be bonuses. And that's kind of stuff's been published on LinkedIn before, Mm -hmm. including like some of the amounts that are suggested as an example. But yeah, and you can't put that pressure. You can't put that burden on the employee. And that that's part of it too, is like, my background's also in social work. I got my bachelor's and my master's. And of course that makes sense. It's probably the most autistic thing I've done to date is try <laughs> to understand people and systems and how to change them for the better. But I, yeah, I empathize because even when I've been at queer organizations, even like regular nonprofits, like I became that tokenized person and I had mm-hmm. to do like all this in-house training for free, mostly just to make my piece of my day-to-day easier. But I should have absolutely been compensated for that. Mm-hmm. It's additional work I was taking on. And I think there's ways to like navigate that. But yeah, especially if I wasn't like moving into like a different position or something because of that work or whatever. Yeah, it should have still been acknowledged in that way. So, but again, I did those things because it helped me to have like to not have all those like one-off conversations. But yeah, putting that additional pressure i'm not saying don't have like leadership positions and stuff for those employees who want to do something like that but don't grossly take advantage of them and expect them to do your lgbtq plus 101 or your adhd 101 or whatever that's going to look like because it's just like an unfair burden to put on those employees and i think honestly it hits different sometimes when you take really serious issues like this and you bring in someone from the outside Mm -hmm. yeah it shows that the company is paying attention to it in a way that it may not, if you just sort of grab Susan from down the hall and say, okay, do this, you know, yeah. um, that having give them that a budget. External, mm-hmm, please give it, them a budget. Even if you can't, yeah. even if you can't quite do that yet for whatever reason, um, then at least give them the budget as much as possible to, to try to do more, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, more social activities, whatever, so that like something's happening. But yeah. Yeah. again, those budgets are getting slashed too. Yeah, they are. I, I recognize that you're being called to offer training to a huge variety of different groups of people with different needs and different gaps. Um, are there spaces that you feel um, people need the most education? Like, is it people need language for do people need consciousness raising in terms of understanding that diversity of gender and sexual expression exists? Do people need, you talked about tools in terms of uh, maybe how to gender people correctly or tell me more about like what are the gaps that you're seeing if there are any patterns in all of these trainings that you've done I think every place is going to be different mm-hmm. and what I tend to see are again the performative companies and corporations that are like oh if we hire you to do this like one hour training on pronouns we're good and I'm like you're not though. Like, and I'm going to tell you that you're you're not good and we'll do it anyway because I need to like, again, keep a roof over yeah. my head and all of that. But like, it's not going to be enough because, okay, you follow that like pronouns thread. Pronouns are like a Trojan horse, but in the best way, because like, you're not just launching that, but like, think about it. If you have employees coming to you that are trans and non-binary and saying, I want to transition on the job. If you don't have a workplace transition plan, Mm -hmm. you're going to be stumbling last minute, awkwardly going, oh shit, how do we like help this person? Oh gosh, we needed this yesterday. What are we going to do? And they're scrambling, there's panic. So like, you know, HR department needs to have like its own workshop and like Mm -hmm. HR business partners need to be trained mostly on like they don't need to like necessarily understand. I'd say I don't think you need to understand anyone to like treat them with the bare minimum respect. However, they need to be trained specifically in cool. If you're offering 
and you're realizing that LGBTQ plus employees need certain kind of benefits and they're going to want to talk about them, then you're going to need to be trained on how to have those conversations. You can't just like have someone put time on your calendar and be like, so do you want a sex change? Like Mm -hmm. that's not, (laughs) that's not the vibe. You can't do that. Right. Or you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So um, you want to be able to lead them. But if you have a workplace transition plan, I mean, they're going to be so impressed with you because it'll be almost everything that you've thought of that. Okay. Maybe I want my manager or my supervisor to tell the department or the team on my behalf. This is when I want like this to be announced or to start um, more visibly living as this particular gender, whatever that Mm -hmm. is. And then figuring out all the pieces, like, do we need gender neutral restrooms? What is that going to look like? How do we like talk about those things? Do we have anti-discrimination like clauses? I mean, again, like you, you have to sometimes scare these companies in places with either the numbers or also legal stuff because like new york city for example has a law that says you must use the name title and pronouns of an employee regardless of whatever is on their documentation Mm -hmm. well you're gonna then need to know and need to like network and coordinate with it where all the legal name versus the name Mm-hmm. has to be there's only very specific like a few very specific people who need to know the legal name mostly for things like benefits or payment right things mm-hmm. like that but almost everyone else like doesn't need to know whatever's like actually on the documentation so like yeah. how do you how do you make sure that yeah only the people who need to see it are on that need to know basis and then if someone wants to make that change again at some point you know once they're already at a place like what are all those things that need to happen so like I try to explain like you need to buy this bigger package and we need to do all this work so that you're up to speed and then like you're you're good to go. There's like an intranet page mm-hmm. that like has all of the information. Leadership and management have had a separate training so they know all of the changes to come, what their responsibilities are and where to send employees. Employees get like, you know, their all staff training. So it's the one hour one they're alluding to where everyone again is understanding like this is a cultural shift we're making because like then you you forget too like Marketing needs to say, because if you're adding as simple as email signatures and, and you know, updating it to include pronouns or business cards, marketing wants to say, because those are external communications. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want it to be formatted a certain way and make decisions like, you know, sometimes when you get those emails in parentheses, it might say like, what's this question mark? And yeah. there's a link sending you somewhere. All of those decisions need to be made. And it can't be like last minute in a panic because an employee is finally coming to you. You need to understand, especially with like, Gen Z and stuff coming your way, they're already here. They're there. Mm-hmm. It's just like they probably don't feel comfortable telling you because they've maybe seen how you've like, you know, done other things yeah. and and awkwardly stumbled through those or maybe even just like decided not to address those things, which would yeah. be even worse. So, yeah, yeah, it's with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like a bigger picture. So like depending which thread you're trying to pick at, I mean, yeah. So I'd say like certain people absolutely do need like those definitions and stuff. But so when we're doing that pronouns training for all staff, right, then we're getting into the specifics of you are going to make mistakes. Let's just normalize this right now. You Mm -hmm. are. I don't want that to stop you from actually practicing allyship, though. Mm -hmm. So like, here's what to do, like in the moment, if you misgender someone by accident, here's what to do if you've made a series of mistakes. Mm -hmm. Here's what to do if someone's told you they're going by a specific name and pronouns now, like here are follow up questions for them, but not in a way to bombard them. Like, here are all the little things. And then like, once people can have those anchors, I feel like they do so much better because- I think it's gotten to the point where like because of the rise of things like cancel culture, people are just afraid of saying anything and then they Mm -hmm. just shut down. So they're just not even engaging at all because they're they're worried. Well, if I don't call Charlie, Charlie and I call them by their former name or if I use he by accident, I'm going to get canceled. And it's like, no, that's not how that works. Uh, And, you know, we do want to hold ourselves and others accountable. And also there's like, again, tools and stuff for that. Like I literally two years ago created a flow chart for what to do if you or someone else makes a mistake mm-hmm. with uh, misgendering someone or misnaming someone. And I, the last thing I'd say to that is it also includes a component of consent because mm-hmm. you don't want to correct on other people's behalf without their consent. Cause sometimes the employees just don't want to, I don't know, I, I guess cause a ruckus or something, or they want to fly under the radar and not make a big deal out of it. Um, or maybe they'd rather themselves do the correcting or whatever that looks like. But, mm-hmm. you know, you want to give them that opportunity. And there's always ways to like follow up with them later, like after a meeting, be like, hey, you know, can I talk to you really to you really quickly about that meeting? Like, I just wanted to check in. Like, I noticed so-and-so like used a different name and pronouns for you. Um, you know, would you like me to correct them? Would mm-hmm. you like me to correct other people in the future? Whatever. Yeah. You know, and that kind of stuff is like just incredible because it's just so much emotional labor and saying things like oh but i'm too old or oh but grammar or whatever like just stop like just stop that's all i'll say to that right now yeah it's i think it's basic etiquette and i i kind of when i heard you saying excuse me this is how we you know this is how we handle pronouns this is how we handle a name changes out whatever um it does seem to me to be like kind of basic etiquette training for a uh, a social situation that uh, it did exist in the past, but wasn't maybe written down in our etiquette books or our mismanners from, you know, a hundred years ago. Right. So uh, even though there is precedent for how we address somebody who's changing something or who is going through a change themselves, um, it, it's not, uh, it hasn't gotten the attention that maybe it should have at the time. And so we're having to do this work of like catching up and being like, no, you know, and the trans people have been here for a hundred years. It's just not in the etiquette book. So let's like reteach the etiquette, right? Like let's re-examine how do we how do we approach that? So yeah. yeah. And that's not an easy program because that I mean that can take six to twelve months, depending oh, yeah. on like how quickly things are moving along. Because like one of the first steps is that, you know, someone in HR serves as basically like a project manager and I give them a whole mm-hmm. list of questions and I'm like, you need to meet separately with each department and you need to follow these specific rabbit holes all the way down to know ahead of time how this one little change is going to impact a bunch of 
people and their day to day. So everyone is clear on who's mm -hmm. responsible for which pieces, et cetera. Yeah. Um, like all of that stuff needs to be figured out so you can have a game plan for it. Mm -hmm. But again, not, not every place wants to do that work. And, you know, it's also a hefty price tag and, you know, me being me, I'm trying to make it as accessible as possible. So like I've been working on other ways that people could buy the stuff to try to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. But honestly, there's still going to be certain things that it's just going to be best to bring me in for. So like there's you can get steps. fairly far in your own, mm -hmm. but you're still going to need to bring me in for like the actual training and stuff and also like consulting hours mm -hmm. but you want to do this right and then not have to worry about it for a while so that any additional tweaks in the future which are going to happen because like now we tend to say trans non-binary and gender expansive versus trans non-binary and gender non-conforming mm -hmm. for a few different reasons but you know like but then it's so much easier to make those changes because you've already done the work yeah of like identifying all of this stuff and yeah it does make a difference mm -hmm. because again if you're trying to attract that talent you need to have these things in place because allies are also going to be interested in seeing and what you're doing and want yeah. that aligned for their values too mm -hmm. yeah and as you said you know employee attrition um you know you don't want to be investing in folks who are just going to leave because you're doing it haphazardly or, or not prioritizing the right things or not communicating well about it. If you're going to, and you know, investing in your employees is obviously investing in your long-term growth and well-being as a company. So, yeah, uh, but there's also fear because uh -huh. I'd say I tend to get companies and organizations that realize they need to do this work, but there's a lot of fear of like, backlash of number yeah. one, not doing it right, not implementing these things correctly, or because people are like, oh, woke culture and whatever, and mm -hmm. saying whatever they need to say about it. But it's like, you know, if you've committed this company or this workplace, whatever, to specific values, are you living them out by mm -hmm. living in this fear? Because maybe it is going to shake some people out, but maybe they needed to go so that the right people who do believe and align with those values can come in. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, no, that's the thing. It's that if if you're a company that's considering this kind of training, then clearly somewhere in there, someone cares about hopefully inclusivity, diversity, you know, communication across differences, those kinds of things. And so if folks are in the company that are not able to lean into that for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's not the space for them, even if it's been the space for them for the past 20 years, if we're making a change or making a change, you know. Which yeah. is, but it is hard and it is frightening, I think, for a lot of folks. I think that's important to carry or lift up. Yeah. 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 And making sure these things are intersectional, like you were talking about, like neurodivergence and the overlap with the mm -hmm. LGBTQ plus community. And so also having like C-suite on board, because if C-suite yeah. also isn't taking this seriously and they're not also modeling this stuff, like sharing and asking of pronouns, changing their email signatures, mm -hmm. literally physically, you can see them attending yeah. either through Zoom or in person that they're taking these seriously, they're taking notes, they're participating. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like another way that um, this could fall apart too, is if yeah, if they're not also like on board with this and understanding the importance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Employees need to see upper management being highly invested for them to take it seriously because they've got, we've all got so many things on our plate. It's easy to look at the short term instead of thinking long term. Um, but if you see your manager and their manager, their manager in that meeting, you're going to pay attention. So I think that's an important point. Can you let folks know where people can find you, hire you, learn about, you know, all the stuff you do? Yeah, I think the easiest way to find me is to go to highcharlieocean.com, like hi, like hello to somebody, not hi, like 
a play on living in the Mile High City or something <laughs> else related to being in Colorado and things being legal. But yeah, that's probably the easiest way. And almost everywhere, including LinkedIn and Instagram, where I spend the most time, it's Hi Charlie Ocean. Awesome. Thank you so much. And there'll be links down below, folks. So please go check them out. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I've been really looking forward to this. So thank you for the honor. And I'm it's been it wonderful. Yeah, to oh, just good. connect and get to meet you. So thank you. Same. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the Neurodiverging Podcast today. This was part one of our two-part interview with Charlie Ocean. So tune in next week uh, for our second part, where we'll be talking more about Charlie and I together are talking more about our understandings of what it means to be neuroqueer, what it means to have uh, queer or trans identities that intersect in interesting ways with our neurodivergence. And I hope you'll return for that part two. It's, it was a really cool conversation and I think you'll really like it. Please remember, we are all in this together. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.